evening, Indonesia and World Wide Web. This is Doug Livingston. This is the Renewable Energy Hour. And with me, as always, uh, these days is Alex Aragon. Alex and Willis, how are you? Hey, doing well. Happy rainy day to you. Happy, happy rainy early day. It wasn't so rainy late in the day, at least not for us. Uh, but pretty heavy this morning. And, and uh, as an extra pleasure... Welcome back, previous co-host, Jeff Oldham. How are you, Jeff? Greetings, all. Happy New Year. I'm doing great. Uh, got a lot of questions for you. Um, it, it's always fun talking with you. And and uh, we're, we're doing a show uh, that simultaneously looks back and looks forward, like many shows this time of year. But I'd like to talk about, you know, the whole long time Jeff and I and Alex have been paying attention to the renewable energy world in the past and how much things have changed and and what things we're excited about going into the future. So, so what's, what's a favorite memory of old school? Alex, you're, you're younger school than we are. What's your favorite old school memory? Oh, man. Uh, so much of what I was dealing with was when uh, we were just really starting to get equipment that was UL listed for a lot of this uh, off-grid stuff. Um, UL listed? Uh, oh, man, you're so spoiled. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Luxury. It, oh, was, no. it was 15 years before I saw my first UL listed piece of solar-specific <laughs> equipment. But I wound up getting called out to go fix all the stuff that you all had been putting in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was not you. That was not you all listed. But it was also, you know, fifteen years old and first generation. So it's kind of amazing right. it was still working. Yeah, I, I came to it uh, as a licensed electrician. You know, coming into it from that direction, so it was pretty horrifying. Oh to my walk god, I can't imagine Ooh. you you shivering and shaking at some of the things that I've walked in and looked at. Oh, yeah. Well, it was because the equipment wasn't available, mostly. I mean, a lot of times it was improvising to put things together. And you can drop by, uh, you know, the hardware store, by the auto parts store, and by Radio Shack. And see what you can get to match up everything to make everything work according to, you know, some some uh, diagram drawn on the back of a paper napkin, uh, you know, how to do this thing. So it was really the wild, wild west. <laughs> Well, you at least had charge controllers. Jeff, how many people have you known <laughs> that were manual charge controllers? Oh, man. And even before that, uh, no charge controller because we had such a wimpy solar panel oh, yeah, connected yeah. to a big battery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was unnecessary. <laughs> and then if you really needed it, well, you just turn it the other direction or throw a piece of cardboard over it. To, yeah. Slow down yeah, Then the time. manual charge controller, we actually installed a, a switch. switch. That we could yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I was remembering. It was the people who would turn a switch on and off watching their voltmeter. Uh, to be their charge yep, controller. Just ignore it all winter long. Oh my God, my my first real interaction with PV was uh, uh, an independent research project for my physics major, and and the the objective was to decide how you would design an off grid renewable electricity system for a single family dwelling. And the second half of the paper was to apply those general principles I had figured out in the first half to a specific uh, 
It was only, you know, six to 12 people experimental student housing facility that had no utilities uh, in the university. Uh, ironically, actually owned by the university. But uh, after I wrote that paper, somebody found me a grant. And, and, but anyhow, that paper took me six weeks of calculus. <laughs> to figure out, you know, what a solar panel would do <laughs> over the course of a day and by season, etc. And 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 it's hysterical, you know. Not not ten years after that, you could do the same calculation I did in you know thirty seconds on the back of an envelope, <laughs> right? <laughs> with with you know a few rules of thumb and and insulation data that's generally available now that's actually what the calculus was coming up with was all the insulation data the insulation trying terms, trying yeah. to guess what the insulation was going to be because there was no data <laughs> before before climate change threw everything out the window <laughs> well uh even before that you know solar had interests um it was it, it was funny in the days with no charge controllers and wimpy solar panels, and uh, yeah, and square wave inverters and what's grid tie or or the vibratory inverters even before the square <laughs> wave ones yeah, and I, rotary before that where we really had pure sine waves with some of the earliest inverters just was, old rotary inverters and yeah used a 12 volt motor to spin an alternator and ta-da <laughs> uh, it was actually often a 120 volt motor running off, off yep, running yep, off yep, the same battery that was feeding through the contacts on the rotary motor <laughs> i worked on a couple of those old heart systems that were 120 volt input dc <laughs> Yeah. But, yep. But, well, anyhow, uh, we've come a long way. We've gone from, Jeff, do, oh, you, man. do you remember, well, when did you get in the business, Jeff? What year? Uh, you, this retirement was... Well, no, not, not retirement. When did oh, you get, get into, in the business? When did you first do solar stuff? When I first moved to Potter Valley, it was a necessity because I ended up uh, getting 20 acres here that was completely undeveloped. And uh, we moved in on a, geez, a big giant school bus. I think it was a 56-passenger school bus. And I would uh, run that engine once a week for about an hour to charge up the uh, bus batteries and just mainly on propane lights and everything else. It just run entertainment, the uh, radio stereo system you know you got to have your priorities you got to have the music you got to have the tunes man. so what was vicky and, playing and, and so then i finally <laughs> got a solar panel a big honking 30 water a monster at the time and i would lean that up against the bus and that would charge my battery back to the uh, manual charge controller the cool thing about the bus though uh, we were in that two years before we built a house and a, a childbirth forced that to accelerate uh, the cool thing about the bus was just that in the summer we could park it back under the deep oaks and in the winter pull it out into full sun so it was kind of neat having a house that you could change climates with uh -huh. yeah that that's also something people don't think about when they park there 
Are That's they, right. Yeah, yeah, right. When uh, they build. So you know, the neighbors started seeing, "Hey, look, this guy's got this solar thing." And then that started my solar career. There, I was working as an electrician here locally, uh, mostly commercial industrial stuff, and weekends and spare time doing solar for friends and neighbors and stuff, and just kind of grew from there to where I got sick and tired of uh, doing electrical contracting, and then moved on, uh, started working for Real Goods, and that's when Doug and I got together. Um, what what year did you start at Real Goods? Oh, jeez. Uh, I guess it was around uh, 90-ish. 89, 90, I think, somewhere in there. All right. Um, so. Was that when they had the place down in Santa Rosa? No, the, uh, no, no, that was, it was, that uh, was Mazzoni Street. It was on Mazzoni when I first there. I think we had 16 employees at the time, uh, something like that. And Ross uh, Burkhardt and myself were uh, the tech department. The tech geeks. (laughs) (laughs) And I spent the first three months there uh, looking at a computer screen on my desk that was turned off just full of Post-it notes, because that's about as close as I could get to a computer. Because it didn't work, or you didn't know computers at all? I, I couldn't. Yeah, I could barely turn the damn thing on, let alone use it. <laughs> that was very energy efficient. <laughs> That's right. Yes, I had a very energy efficient ancient computer. Boy, what were those old things anyway? I can't even remember. 386s or something. Crazy. More powerful smartphones now than those early day computers we used to work with. That's fair. A computer used to be an occupation, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, a full-time person. Yeah, my, my, uh, actually, I was pretty early on in the computer world. I had a PC in in '84, I believe. Oh wow! Um, but uh, it's hysterical. You know, a modern cell phone is ten thousand times the computer of. The ridiculously expensive thing I bought in '83, and that's that's the same way that solar went. And so I'm I'm curious, Jeff. Do you remember what the price per watt of solar on was on my first panel at Real Goods? No, not on Man. your first panel and at Real Goods when you first started there. What that panel? First that panel you there. leaned on the RV. What was that? Yeah, Do you have any idea? Jeez, I don't. Honestly, I couldn't say. I'm and, gonna I'm gonna guess around. Uh, six, eight dollars a watt, maybe eight dollars a watt. And what year was that, do you think? That was probably 79. Okay, so I'm that... sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, 79 ish. I no, I'll bet you we were more like 12 bucks a watt then. But yeah. when I went to work for real goods, I think it was more like eight or yeah, nine. Yeah, I, I would have guessed, uh, you know, seven, eight, something like that when, yeah, when you yeah, started something at real like goods. That. Uh, yeah, uh, this morning I saw it, bucks uh, a watt, 23 uh, cents. Oh my God! Twenty-three cents a watt on brand new twenty-five-year warranty panels. Brand new twenty-five-year warranty. <laughs> yep. The 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 first ones I bought were uh, were twenty bucks a watt. Wow! And that wow. that was in Ohio in nineteen eighty-two, and my uh, nephew quickly whipped out his cell phone and pulled up an app and said, uh, that'd be about $100 in current value. <laughs> <laughs> so, 100 bucks a watt to $0.23 cents a watt. <laughs> That's probably the most significant change in solar over 
the course of our career. Yeah, I would say. Or and because of that, the most significant thing change I've seen is when I first got interested, or even started working full time in solar. Most of my friends and family thought I was nuts. You know, this was some sort of fringe thing that was never going to go anywhere, and uh, renewable energy could never possibly power anything significantly and the, the changes that happened there you know as we were saying you know the, the last two years we've seen renewables outstrip coal generation so look at where we're at now and i think that's just as impressive to me and and certainly is price driven well when i finally got into it uh professionally in 94 you know four years after you started with real goods um it uh it, it was not something that existed at all in Ohio. And I had a friend who said, you know, I've always known people who wanted to do this, but I've never known actually anyone who did do this. Talking about me going off and getting a job. Right, yeah. You crazy boy, what are you Crazy boy. Out for the wild, wild west. (laughs) Well, I was was a teacher, so, you know, I, I waited. Well, I wanted to do solar, but figured I couldn't earn a living at it initially and was a teacher and when solar looked like I might be able to earn a similarly lucrative living that's when I looked again yeah yeah I got in I got in the industry when my youngest was about three years old four years old I guess I remember uh, I remember those wild and willy ones oh yeah (laughs) my uh my parents who uh you have always voted for the GOP. They were uh, admonishing me, saying, "Oh, you don't want to get into that business. That's that's just a little, you know, fringe thing. That's never going to amount to anything." So, well, my youngest just turned eighteen a little bit ago, so it's worked somehow. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's funny. Uh, the uh, the supplier of the solar panel I bought uh, in Ohio was from a catalog handed to me by my mom. All right. Yeah, no, she was she was definitely a supporter of of solar. She was a strange person to describe. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was yeah. she was very conservative in a lot of ways, but she was pro solar, pro choice, anti nuke, despite being very oh, conservative right. on a lot of other fronts. Interesting. But uh, and and that first charge controller I bought in '82 was uh, manufactured in Garberville. I lived in Ohio. Wow! Do you remember what, which one it was? Oh, it was. It had no name. It, it was its name was charge oh, controller. Oh, it was a no name. It was charge, oh, charge controller, controller. <laughs> made by AEE. <laughs> Mercury? <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think that one might have been a Mercury switch. Um, oh, that was fancy a Mercury switch. Um, <laughs> no, it, I, I had an old. No, it wasn't. In fact, I, I remember that's why it finally retired. Was the the relay failed? Yeah, and we and bought. That it, was my first. And, and, and we replaced time. it with a Trace C thirty. Oh yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Moving up in the world. That was deluxe at the time. (laughs) I remember many, many years ago, Christopher Freitas, one of the founders of Outback, uh, Outback Power, said that he had a strong suspicion that the old-fashioned set-point relay analog controllers might 
provide the longest battery life. And he thought that because they spent so much time at a high rate of charge. There's just no float. Yeah. They didn't spend that much time. Once you got full, it, you know, spent hardly any time on. Well, I had mine at a pretty tight differential, so that's oh, probably okay. why okay. that theory evolved. You know, it would uh, maybe drop a uh, quarter volt and kick back in again. Well, high rate, so high rate of your Oh, go ahead, Alex. All right. As I say, Jeff was pulsing his batteries then. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, that was a pulse width. He was an early pulse width modulator. So and that's an interesting general trend that's radically different from when we first started. You know, initially it was, you know, analog electronics controlling a relay, and then it became, you know, solid state charge controllers and solid state inverters that were way more efficient and less expensive, although still square wave. Um, then we started seeing sine wave inverters and even grid table inverters, although hardly anyone did it. It wasn't until almost 20 years ago we started seeing grid tie in any significant numbers. And so long it was uh, going underground as a gorilla installation. That's right. Oh, I love yeah. the, the gorilla solar articles in Home Power Magazine. Oh, in the yeah. Day. You yeah. bet. Yeah, they, they would have a picture of people wearing ski masks up on a roof next to a solar array with, you know, gorilla solar somewhere in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> proceed to describe the system and you know if somebody's person got named it would be black marked out (laughs) (laughs) gorilla solar and home power magazine that was they were a huge factor in the early survival of pv between the carter era and the modern era yeah it was you know one of the few sources of information that was valuable to all the soft gridders out there. Was was home power still a big thing, Alex, when you got into it? Which? Home Power Magazine. Oh, oh sure, of course. Yeah, I, yeah. I read it. Every time I could get a hold of a new copy or an old copy, I'd sit there and you know go through the whole damn thing. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. very valuable. <laughs> it was huge. That was, that was my most common hot tub reading material for many years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Pleasure you know, reading. My first uh, most valuable resource I had uh, to really be able to, you know, dive deep into asking questions and stuff about how the stuff worked was a uh, long drive I had with uh, with Jeff going out to Odeon, the Buddhist temple out on the coast. Oh, oh yeah. I rode all the way out and back with you and got to pick your brain the whole way. <laughs> Probably got sick of it. <laughs> you seem to be out of the my questions. I remember that project and that drive. <laughs> well, Alex, you used to pick my brain. Now you just mute me. There you go. So, so that's a, that's you know a, a look back on memory road. Where are we going in the future? That's what that's we want the show to shift from. Yeah. Then um, where we've been and and where we're going in the future, and maybe we can still bring back old things into the why, what's next? But what's next? Yeah. One of the big things that's really happening that I see a lot of is uh, it's getting more and more important to keep my computer with me when I go out to set up systems. Yeah. Um, 
I've been I've been doing a lot of that. Like pretty much, uh, I work with uh, Jason Cotter a lot, and he's kind of my IT guy for setting up, uh, you know, monitoring systems and stuff like that. And I really need yeah. him in some cases. Uh, and so a lot of the equipment I'm putting out now, I need to I need to do uh, firmware updates and log in and attach to the system through Wi-Fi to get things up and running and communicating with the batteries properly. It's really uh, it's really changed a lot. It's made it so there's you know I, I spend almost another full day in some cases just programming stuff once wow. it's installed. Wow. But well, once you do that, oh. it can be monitored, monitored from ways away, and it stays really turnkey and kind of keeps it settings. I, I remember the days where the, the biggest programming aspect on your system was you could change this one potentiometer slightly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if you could find a screwdriver If you could enough. find a screwdriver that fit it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although sometimes there were, there were ruffles on the outside edge, so you, yeah. could, you could turn it with <laughs> your finger. <laughs> And that, and that adjusted the, the bulk or the the relay voltage. Yeah, no, no. now we have things like self consumption and you know systems that'll uh, operate like off grid systems only use the grid for uh, backup and all kinds of stuff. It's yeah. fully automatic. Things that'll dedicate storage available uh, when there's a utility outage come in, but. Uh, when there's no utility outage plan, they'll just keep the batteries, you know, cycling. You can program that in. This is how much we want to keep in in the reserve. Yeah, and then a lot of the functions you're setting now will become automatic once you program them too. Or there will be automatic adjustments by uh, you know Wi-Fi by you know internet signals that the equipment actually gets. <laughs> I actually had a first Enphase uh, system I worked on um, that got shut down by a uh, by a botched. Uh, update and set out a uh, firmware, uh, not a firmware update, just a new update into the system. And it was a backup system for a grid tied uh, house and the update glitched and it made it so the system wouldn't work. It actually made it so they were the only house in the neighborhood that didn't have power. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Gotta love those updates. <laughs> yeah, darn computer things. And, and you know what worked is uh, to reboot. Doing a hard reboot. Yeah, reboot. Reboot. <laughs> a good old reboot. Good it's, old reboot. It's, it's a new world. Yeah. It's a new world. I'm plugging. I don't know. I, I think I see the future, particularly the very near future here, this this new year here. Uh, I see EVs just yeah, going I, crazy. I was, was going to. If you didn't say it, I was going to tell you you meant to say it. Is, it's EVs. This is for the you. year of the EVs, boy. I was just seeing a survey. Less than 1% of EV owners say they would ever go back to gasoline. Uh, you know, and and we're finding, you know, that the manufacturers are selling out before they can get the cars even into the showrooms, and they're still not figuring it out. Out that nobody wants these gas cars anymore. A few are moving in well, that direction. And you've man, got, they can't keep up with the demand. You've got choices so there's now. There, there are SUVs yeah. and sports cars. And yeah, trucks and sedans yeah, and trucks. They're just going and, nuts. Motorcycles and electric bicycles are exploding. Not, you know, I've, in the last quarter of, of 2020, Tesla delivered 180,000 cars in the last quarter. That's 1,900 cars a day for the whole quarter. It's just mind-boggling. They're, they're selling, they sold out of the Model Y in China before it hit the showroom floors. <laughs> well, uh, one of the things that's going to keep it from going much further is charging stations. 
Yeah, but yeah. then those are exploding in, in rapid numbers as well. Well, and that and that brings me to another thing. You know, I definitely got to bring into the picture for what we're excited about in the future is you know a change of of political administration in Washington, um, particularly with uh, apparently you know control of the Senate. Um, at least it's it's happened. Yeah, uh, and and can imagine you know all kinds of. Biden's less radical and innocuous things will get by in the uh, in the actual legislation process. And one of the things he's been preaching about is to, you know, help bring back the economy by putting federal funds into hiring people to put in charging stations. Yep. And, yep. And, get the infrastructure in here. Well, I think that's one. That's of the really that's holding things back. You AVs, know, uh, people yeah. are looking for really long range, and all this range anxiety is keeping cars from happening, but. If we had charging stations all over the place, you wouldn't have to worry so much about range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that's one of the things I'm excited about with. Uh, yeah, with that. I actually uh, put down a deposit on an EV that uh, is rumored uh, uh, to happen and get delivered in this year. It's called an Aptera. And that really it's unique. Tiny. I think it's it's tiny, the, right? It's a it's a three wheel thing kind of what their design goal was to make something as uh, have as close to zero friction as possible air friction and aerodynamic drag and they got like 0.16 um, and the thing's phenomenal it's kind of shaped like a teardrop it's three wheels uh, one in the rear it can be all wheel drive or not normally just front wheel drive but the thing about it is is that it's so efficient it. It uses about 141 hours a mile, which is the same as my zero motorcycle, <clears throat> and they can put 900 watts of PV on the top of the car between the hood and roof and everything, and the darn thing gets 40 miles a day parked in the sun of range. So it's the ideal off-grid EV. Sweet, sweet. How's that going to take the road? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? How's that going to do on your road? Well, you know, I've never had problem with front-wheel drive on my road, but you can get one in all-wheel drive with an off-road kit, but I honestly don't think I'll need it. I, You know, I'm just a mile up this road. This first mile is in reasonably good shape. My biggest challenge, actually, is my darn driveway. Yeah. <laughs> You're only a mile yeah, up. You're only a mile yeah. up? I'm only a mile off the pavement, yeah. Wow. I thought you were further up. I knew you were low on, on, on that very long dirt road. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Head up this dirt road, and if you didn't run out of gas or legs, you could get all the way to Oregon without ever leaving a national forest. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, I just I bought my last, uh, hopefully my last gas vehicle the other day. I bought a, I bought a new Ford truck. Um, there's always that kind of wince. Oh, I had to bite the bullet and get one more. Um, it's yeah, kind of interesting. Got to have a truck. Yeah, even with the uh, gas vehicles, though, they've come a long way with all the different computer controls that are available in yes. these things now. Uh, you know, back back in my teenage days, I was kind of a little bit of a motorhead for a while, and uh, I thought that I could have a six-cylinder engine that has 375 horsepower in it. Uh, it Jeez, like. <laughs> You know, Unheard of, right? Possible, uh, but that's what I have in my new Ford F one hundred and fifty, uh, and 
it gets about 20 miles per gallon, even with my uh, lumber rack on it, which is really good uh, compared to even wow. my Toyota Tundra that I just gave up on. Um, what did, what did your Tundra get? Miles per gallon. It was, wow. it got about, uh, the, t- the Tundra got about 16 to 17 miles per gallon with everything loaded the way I need to for work. And, uh, yeah. you know, I had, to, I had to calculate that by stopping at gas stations and filling up and seeing how many miles I got and filling up again and see how much gas I used. Right. But uh, yeah, everything yeah. has meters and monitors and all that kind of crap. And I think there's an app I can actually monitor it on, too, if I want to. Let's <laughs> get <laughs> you know, all this computer control. I, I used to swear that uh, half of the increased better gas mileage of the early Prius was because people had feedback and they changed the way they drove. Exactly. Yeah, very, exactly. Very likely. Made, made big difference. Uh, we have an underwriter or bottom of the hour ID to do, Doug? Uh, well, uh, just to say that you're listening to the Renewable Energy Hour and this is... Uh, Current contemporary host Doug Livingston and Alex Aragon with previous hosts joining us for a nostalgia tour and a look to the future, Jeff Oldham. All right. Did you already cover the underwriting then? I guess I missed it. I did uh, at the top of the hour. Had had just one. Um, That was during my nap. During your nap. uh, Yes, I'm sure I read it. Double checked by looking at it again. Anyhow, uh, I, I should say that, you know, just a part of the nostalgic look back and the, and the look forward, uh, the Renewable Energy Hour with three hosts here. Of the five hosts total that have hosted this show in 25 years on the air on KZYX, that's pretty astounding to me. That is, yeah. That is. Alex, you're a baby. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay with that. Are you, you're you're past two years now, right? Uh, that's, yeah, it's been two okay. years in a month. Okay, you're a toddler. I'm breaking teeth here. Jeff, do you remember the the first versions of this show? Because I never heard it when. Uh, 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 Heckeroth and Hackleman right. did it. They did it. Yeah, they did it for I a good do five years. I remember listening to them. Um, well, I was glued to the radio. You know, they were a major source of information for me, as well as uh, the books and uh, that uh, Hackleman put out. Um, really inspiri- inspiring and just a wealth of information. And you know, that was those guys at Home Power kind of distributing the same kind of information out there, keeping all of us from getting electrocuted and burning our homes down. Well, you had you had. You know, AEE and SES to help out a little bit in the early, early days. Uh, but 25 years ago, that wasn't early, early days. Right, yeah. 25 years ago, things were Get, pretty well established yeah. around as far as having a few distributors in the state. We were just lucky here, and that's why this show has been so successful, is that we're in this community here where all of this just started to come out of the woods, quite yeah, literally, well, it, and uh, becoming more mainstream. Come into the woods, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I in, in my first search for a job in solar from Oberlin, Ohio... I sent out 50 resumes to every solar company I could find between the Great Lakes and the Pacific Northwest. And I got seven responses. Five of them were, uh, we're a two-person company not looking to expand by 50% this year. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, and the two interviews I got set up were in Mendocino County. 
just, of course. And, and, you know, I, I'd never heard of Ukiah, California. <laughs> yeah, not likely. Actually, uh, I went around Ukiah, California. I'd been through, uh, through Mendocino uh, six years earlier and never went through Ukiah. Wow. I was on a beer huh? I was on a beer tour. <laughs> so you went up one twenty eight? Oh, in nineteen eighty eight I went to every single brew pub in the country. <laughs> wow. All ten. Wow. All ten. All ten. <laughs> and, well, they were all between Seattle and San Francisco Bay. Jeez. Jeez. Oh, we two, have more than half of that just two, in this two, county. Two of them were in this county. So 20% of the first yeah, 10 huh. brew pubs in the country were in this county. The first legal one in the United States since the Prohibition one, yeah. was in, in Hopland. Hopland. Um, yeah. Well, I did meet you sitting on a bar stool, so that's yeah, about right. right. We're drinking a beer, I presume, <laughs> in a brew pub, right? Yeah. That was something about the different versions of mixes of uh, what pale. I don't remember what all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. What had to be in Hopland? We had we came up with some at a party. We sat down and tried to think of all the named mixes of beers at the Hopland Brewery we could think of, and we came up with oh, twenty three different named mixes. <laughs> oh well, no this took a whole party to get together and all it took was somebody else to say yeah i remember that for it to be official in the count um actually they were pretty easy to remember because so many of the beers were were a colored bird black hawk blue heron mm-hmm. red black ta- and blue. red tail and so yeah you know black and blue was an s&m <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure looking forward to brew pubs opening up again. I gotta say, I really miss that. I do too. My dog oh, does. Lord. My dog does too because uh, the Anderson Valley Brew Pub, which was in existence as one of those first ten, um, it yeah. was my dog's favorite dog park. Anyhow, <laughs> I think we should uh, open up the phone lines for people to talk about what they're excited about in the future or maybe a silly hiccup from the past um, and uh, and join in on the conversation if you if you want to do that that's 895-2448-707-895-2448 to join the conversation anyhow uh, we're, we got to be more ex- well I'm already getting calls uh, excited about more things than just uh, EVs and We'll talk about those the next opportunity. Hello, caller. You're live on the Renewable Energy Show. Well, this stroll down nostalgia lane has been <laughs> kind of fun here. So I have a question for you. Moving <laughs> forward here, now I've gotten some had some recent contact with PG&E, and they were talking about putting in a grid tide array, and they were kind of trying to convince me to do less of pointing it south and more of pointing it southwest. Because on those hot summer afternoons and early evenings when they're having a hard time keeping enough power on the grid, that that's when it would, the power would be the most valuable to them at that point. It's, I just wondered what you guys thought it's, of that. It's not and just to them. Question. It's not just to them. There's also a pricing differential that makes that yep. valid, too. That they will actually I just pay you. that pricing differential was actually in there. Um, uh, well, it, it's not much anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's not as much as it used to be, uh, but it also goes, uh, 
later into the afternoon than it used to too um oh okay uh but uh so in the summer that helps a little bit um it's not as good as it used to be the first time i did the analysis uh the southwest it was something very very close to southwest that peaked out on the returns yeah on the pg e price rate yep. it's a completely different price yep. rate now than it was before and um but still it's it's not until what three and four in the afternoon that the rates shift jeff alex i bl- i believe so alex probably knows better no, I actually don't do that part of the equation. You don't do that part of the equation anymore. You know, it's such I, a minor I, shift. It, it's really not that big a deal. Yeah. I, I think it's advantageous to be in that orientation uh, just because of the way they're doing that pricing structure. But really, you know, we're talking difference between south and south or south compared to southwest. And we're talking a pretty darn minuscule difference yeah, a, in performance. A couple really. of percent difference. And so that means that if... You know, your roof faces south. Screw that. Do south. Absolutely. If you're putting it on a ground mount and and, so. and the morning is shaded, then go southwest. Um, yep. So I, the other question is, is I've seen enough panels where people have broken them with their lawnmowers and throwing rocks from their weed eaters mm-hmm. that I actually want to put my yep, panels yep. high enough up that I can mow under them with a tractor that has, you know, a full-on ROPS roll cage on it meaning that they have to be pretty high off the ground. And I'm just wondering what the regulatory environment for that is, because I know they have the six-foot exemption, but this would be significantly higher than that, yeah. more like the ones that are over there at the brewery on 128 yeah, they're, like, they're likely to, to have you be required to hire an engineer to put a stamp on it. And they would, yeah, absolutely. They would, they would do over a, seven feet, you'll need engineers. They would look at your design and say, yep, that's cool, or say, no, you got to change it this way, and they would put their stamp on it and uh, and add to the cost of your system. Are there companies that are you might find a pre-engineered system, system designed like that? There are some. That's what Jeff was just saying. There might be some pre-engineered systems that have enough data that the building department would say, that's cool. Okay, how much solar array in today's world can you get for $50,000? You can get a lot, a lot of array, <laughs> but uh, the mounting, the labor, the bureaucracy will all cut into that. The last array I put in was a uh, 10KW array. It was 74 BP-160s, and that was when they had $3.85, I think, rebate from the state. It had come down from four something, and I bet and you it the cost price about fifty thousand to put that in. And you got what you know, ten thousand back, right? Well, it was fifty thousand after getting it. Oh, back okay. Because the whole okay. cost was yeah. almost yeah, yeah, ninety thousand. Yeah, well, I thought I thought of systems back then at, at around you know nine bucks a watt total installed with inverter yeah, and panel and racking, and yeah, you're down at like three bucks a watt now. Yeah, without yeah, without any much. without any rebate, but they did extend. I don't know if Alex and yeah. I assume Jeff two year is extension. Aware. They put a two year extension on the current federal tax. Uh, but in it's that, not thirty percent anymore, right? No, it's twenty six. It's it's been no. twenty six all this year, and it was about to go down to twenty two, January first, and the, at the last minute in that last spending bill, the Senate okay to bill that contained a two-year extension at the 26% rate. That's the tax credit, right? Right. 
that's credit. Okay. Yeah, I believe it drops. Uh, I think to twenty four next year. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they they chilled it out, but they didn't. They hold. chilled it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it's still uh, good news. So somebody give me a number. How big a ray can I get? Knowing there's lots of variables. So do you? So do you what want? Can I get for a grid side array? Are you just talking the, the array? Mount of some kind. Just the array and none of the mounting and inverter and wiring no, and installation. Mount, inverters and uh, and hooked up to a house. You're talking about three bucks a watt. Okay. Yeah, something in that neighborhood. Three dollars per watt. Okay. Now, well, thank you, gentlemen. Mind, mind you, show. it's one of my favorite shows. Mind you, you did it yourself, and you didn't pay attention to any rules. You know, you could do it for two, for two bucks a watt, a buck a watt. And yeah. if, if you did all kinds of crazy exotic stuff with batteries and, and, uh, and automation and whatnot, it could be, you know, ten bucks a watt. But, you yeah. know, typical direct grid tie with no batteries, that's probably... Three dollars a watt. Three dollars a watt is the right name. Yep. And that's without me having to do it. That's right. Someone right. doing that's, it. That's with, correct. Yeah, okay. That's a professional yep. doing it and giving you all the paperwork you need to get your tax credit and getting you all through right. getting you through the permits and being kosher with the insurance companies. And all right, and Willis, what angle would you put those panels at? Because I, I would rather put more panels than do a, a tracker or. And, you know, like the one out at, at Mendocino College where they're going, you know, east in yeah. the morning and west right. in the afternoon. But assuming I don't do any of that, instead spending the money on more panels. That, that, that's what makes sense to, these days, uh, unless you're yeah. talking a very large system on a low-priced real estate on a flat, so in that case, on a flat what land. Degree would, what angle would you put those panels on? You're on grid tie without batteries, right? You're thinking? Grid tied without batteries. It's just to offset so big electric bills from a big shop. Your sweet spot is, you know, pricing wise is probably somewhere between south and southwest, and your tilt angle probably in the neighborhood of thirty degrees or so. How do you guys think about that, Jeff and Alex? Yeah, yeah, I'd go with that, but I'd sure uh, balance that off against the cost of this structure. If it's going to be a big elevated structure, you may want to really bring that down to save on that cost it could go through the roof quick and you'll find you'll start to start playing with the numbers because you find by just keeping adding more pv it might get a lot cheaper than a 30 degree uh you know carport type structure Here, here's jeff's point you know sort of the optimal for producing the most kilowatt hours per day which is not necessarily yeah. what'll be the most dollars of credit per day because the price difference depending on the time of the day so there's a bias toward the west from the south but just just yeah. to give you an idea of things, a fixed mount in in our lo location uh, peaks out for maximum kilowatt hours per year at a due south with no shading at thirty degree tilt. Okay, but twenty two and a half degrees east or west of that, you're you've only lost one percent. Off of that That's not much. So you shouldn't, to Jeff's point is, you shouldn't necessarily be worrying about that sweet spot of point. Just the general sloping to the southish, and, you know, at the most convenient angle is often the right answer. If you're talking about a roof, match the roof pitch. Yeah, there it is. I don't Perfect. like them on roofs. I don't like okay. putting them on roofs okay. if okay. I can avoid well, it. You, I had 100 you, penetrations in my roof on the last house I did it on. You know, where when we roofed it, you know, we put the 
the stanchions up out of the roof and flashed everything. And it was a new roof, so we could build it all in. But still, looking back at that roof and seeing a hundred penetrations on that south face, did they ever leak? That appealing to me. Did they ever leak? <laughs> I don't own the house anymore. I don't know. I'd have to call him. <laughs> yeah. Well, usually when you put you know, stuff in at the base instead of going through shingles, the stuff, you know, usually didn't leak in my experience. Think yeah. how many penetrations you have with roofing nails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, uh, we've got a lot better racking than we used to, though, too. We have stuff that's got six and eight foot spans, so you don't need nearly as many uh, penetrations yeah. as you once did. No. Um, Actually, you have no exposed roofing nails, so the answer to your question is zero. <laughs> well, you should, your penetration it, 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 shouldn't be exposed either. Just to be accurate about it. <laughs> yeah, no, you're fair. Um, it's all okay, good. Okay, well, thank you. I, I, pref I prefer to be on the ground. I'll go forward with that advice. Hey, and uh, the other thing you should pay attention to is your solar window. Regardless of yep. south or southwest, if you've got, you know, massive hill on your west side, you should paint more, you should point more east and vice versa. The, yeah, my problem is getting away from a north side hill. So, you know, I'm backing out onto the edges of things. So that's where the array is going to have to be hanging off the edge of a hill pointing south. Yeah, I've seen such. Good luck. Yeah. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Take care. Hmm. Eight nine five two four four eight. If you want to join the conversation, um, one of the fun things uh, I saw recently was that uh, twenty nineteen was the first time in one hundred thirty five years that renewables was powering our economy by more than coal. That's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And we are yeah, likely again. Yeah, likely again in 2020. All right, we are flooded by calls. Hello, caller. You're yeah. live on the air. Yeah, I uh, went to the modern uh, 48 volt. I, I you guys talk about the beginnings where I had my Toyota pickup with a car stereo and one light, and uh, now I went back up. I'm an installer, and uh, now I got 48 volt. I've lost my. Um, Windmill, which I do get in the windstorms. I'm wondering if, like, do you know anything about the uh, Whisper Watts, the old school ones, if they can be sure. upgraded to 48 watt or 48 volt? Uh, mm. or, Not uh, easily. Is that impossible? Uh, no, but you yeah. you could get a replacement at 48 volts. You sure could. Right, yeah, because they got the tower and the you know, there are some insanely cheap wind generators coming out of China now, just mind-boggling cheap. I would certainly be entertaining one of those myself. Especially since in most places in Mendocino County, it's the amount of not worth it. electricity yeah. you know, value produced by a wind turbine compared to the cost of the wind turbine is hard to compare to a solar panel. Really is. Yeah, no, the solar panels are so cheap now, you know, you can even get them for down 75 cents a watt or whatever in the last. 23 uh, cents, Jeff just found. Yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. So that's the, the, that's the question. But when, when we get to days where there is no sun, it's pouring rain, that means at my place, 
There's tons of land. I sit on this uh, little optimum hill here. All right, all right. It's it's a nice it's a nice like compliment. Turbulence and, between hills and trees and all, but and you've already that actually creates my wind between my hill and the trees and when the storms. It it, it, it really makes a difference. And you've also you've also invested in the. I remember it sounding like a, a didgeridoo. It would wake me up in the middle of the night going. Yow, yow, yow. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that strange that strange changing that probably means you've got a lot of turbulence. Uh, is any possibility you could cut some trees on either side of that wind path? Oh, well, maybe, but it, it, like I said, that, that I, I think the trees create the wind paths uh, on one side of it because it follows it down. Oh, yeah, so you can get some increase in speed, but also that turbulence is one thing that'll wear out a turbine. Oh, and okay, yeah. and decrease its efficiency. Uh, um, the, the, the blades blew up at yeah. one point, one too much. So, yeah. so a little less. Right, well, thank you so much. It looks like I should either buy um, uh, another 48-volt uh, whisper water. Or a Chinese one, Jeff said. you particularly Jeff, you got uh, any, yeah, any of those super you cheap know, brands? I, take, a, take a glance on eBay or, you know, uh, uh, you know some of the Chinese. Chinese uh, sales sites out there. It's pretty remarkable. I'm looking at an 1800 watt 48 volt for 379. That is cheap, you know, for what it produces because you know, I'm saying, it, yeah. The, before yeah, the 12 it's, volt it's, one, it, it's it a California time, supply. You know, when it was really blowing and I had no sun at all, it kept my power up. It kept me going. It works on the old school. Turn off every light, you know, when I'm not using all that. But. What was what was the wattage of the turbine you had before? Four hundred. Four hundred. Oh, so that was probably a an air air four hundred four or something. An air four hundred four. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, uh, one yeah, thing I those too. <laughs> the less expensive uh, wind uh, wind turbines is uh, I would not. I haven't seen a controller for one yet that I would want to use with lithium batteries. So if you're going to use modern lithium batteries, uh, uh, really do more research. I would not. Yeah. I would not hook up a cheap uh, one, a cheap wind generator to them. Well, it's pretty rare these days that anybody's looking at a new wind turbine on a residential scale around here. And lithium. Well, everybody says, oh, we got all this wind, but then they don't realize it's intermittent and then the turbulence and all of that. Mm -hmm. So when I install systems, I tell people, put more. Like you said earlier, put more solar panels in. Yep, yep. get a you good know, mix. Well, there are... To the wind turbine. No, we, we even had a name for it. We called it a hybrid solar system when you had a combination of solar plus either wind or, oh, yeah, or, hybrid system. or yeah, hydro, yeah, yeah. Where, where the wind jammed when the sun wasn't shining and the hydro around here at least jammed in the winter or when the sun wasn't shining and, and it was a beautiful compliment. Well, you brought up the issue with the lithium batteries. Are, are, are we really at the point where they're uh, sustainable? I mean, the, you're paying three times as much for lithium batteries versus uh, you know, your lead assets uh, or other batteries. Uh, or, well, you get gel. better efficiency from the start. You get longer, better longevity, theoretically. They haven't been around long enough to really prove that. But and you can uh, turn your back on them and not uh, do any maintenance, too, and no fumes. There's a lot of good things about them. Yeah. There's uh, you know, along those lines, and, you know, you talking back to, you about know, EVs some again. Of these you have a little uh, reservoir, and you can just fill your batteries that way, and it saves from pulling each cell and 
make sure you wear the same clothes each time because you're going to get you know acid on them. You don't have to do that with the lithium ions. Right, well, the lithium ion, they don't mind being taken down so far. Either. Right, and that's one you of know. the things I was going to say was when you said they're three times the price, I was thinking you're not taking into account that you get more battery per rated capacity. Yeah, and uh, think of this is that there's some batteries out there, uh, Discover brand particularly, you can charge them at a uh, 1C rate, which means if you have a big enough charger, you can charge them entirely in one hour. That, that's usually not critical. That's usually not critical to the solar person off the grid. So a lot of these people off the grid, they just want to fill their batteries and they're running their washing machine. And at the same time, then boom, their washer's done and uh, their batteries are charged, you know, quite rapidly. So that, that helps a lot on that, too. So, but well, sir, Jeff, you were going to say something about EVs. Yeah, I was saying, you know, talking about the battery prices, I was just reading that a, a, at least a few uh, EV manufacturers are expected to reach $100 a kilowatt hour this year on lithium batteries. Wow. Yeah, wow. wow. That's cheaper than lead acid. Great. Yeah, no. I'd... So low. Well, yeah. the, the issue, too, I find is that a lot of these people I'm installing systems for, they come from on-grid systems and they want to move a little more remote and get out of the you know cities and um they're used to having all the power they want and they drain their batteries down so far you know every night that uh, they kill them and all all the more reason to go to lithium lithium that they can handle it a little better yeah they can they can but uh you still want for abuse you still want to have a low voltage shutdown that happens before you empty them And then uh, I guess a lot of it based on how many children there are. <laughs> when <laughs> the TV's gone, the lights are gone, the stereo's gone, they're out in the yard playing. You have to teach people how to use their systems. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, so. <laughs> shoot. One of my favorite memories of Alex was uh, after New Year's where he had a party and and his kids were all excited because they got to stay up until 1109 Eleven point nine volts on the twelve volt system. Video, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's what apparently Alex's kids were used to. You know, whether or not they could watch a movie was dependent on what the state of charge of the batteries was, as perceived by voltage. All right. Well, it's Matt Lock from Wilderness Electric. You guys have helped me all the way through the years, and. Thanks for your help. I guess I'll just have to uh, go up to a 48-volt uh, one mil. Yeah, well, check them out. They're, they're, they're a lot cheaper than than what we were used to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, thanks, thanks for the call. Bye-bye. Down to our last three minutes. Down, yep, I was just looking at that, and uh, you know, before we get taken away into that, I'd like to, to make an announcement to regular listeners that... Uh, we are going to be taking a several-month hiatus for the first time in 25 years hiatus. Um, and so that was fun to have Jeff back in there. And uh, Good to be here. And, and think of those parts of the years and think of Michael and Steve Heckeroth doing, doing the early show of this uh, long project. But uh, we are going away, but we're not going away for good. We're coming back in several months and... Uh, and Alicia is looking at 
a variety of stuff to fill in our time. I'll say it that way. Um, but she's great. She'll find some good stuff. And we do still have uh, over two minutes because, Alex, it is actually 8 o'clock. And I have... Well, you know, if you think 2020 was bad, as it turns 21 here, wait till it starts drinking. <laughs> hey, hey, caller, you've got a very brief time. You got a quick question or comment? I have a very quick comment, which is just today. I was looking through a Sierra Club magazine, and they had a an item about wind turbines that said, if you paint one of the three big blades black, it cuts down the bird kill like something like eighty percent. Interesting. Wow, three too. That's awesome. Huh. Interesting. Huh. Uh, that I, I can assure you that only applies to these huge, you know, hundred kilowatt to megawatt scale turbines. Okay. The 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 very small turbines spin so fast yeah. that they they wouldn't see that. It would just change it from white to gray or whatnot. Um, right. What, what kind of bird kill do the small? small very, kill? very little. They're they're going so very fast. Little. They make a noise. They're visible, and birds don't seem to fly into them. <laughs> it's the huge turbines that are you know football field long oh. blades that are going at you know what two RPM, Jeff? What what's a typical? Yeah, two, three. Yeah, not um, under ten for sure. You know, so it it takes you know thirty seconds for this turbine to go around once. Yeah. But at that speed, the tip of those blades is going at just obscene velocities. And yeah, and there's nothing, nothing, yeah. that, especially especially the bird that's roosting on old school ones that had a lattice tower or a ladder, which they don't do anymore. They put those internal because birds would roost on those horizontal surfaces, see something down below. And when they saw it, they'd you know, dive off to go get it. And the, the turbine blades were... Nothing, 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 and then something moving through it, you know, near the speed of sound. Five uh, seconds. Um, and and it's not it's not as big of a problem as a lot of people think. Uh, around yeah. around here, nothing it actually, like windows or cats. Yeah. Oh my God, windows <laughs> are something like twenty million birds a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cats. Cats are similar, actually. That they're they're, yep. they're close, and, and wind turbines are. I, I think the worst one in the in the world is Altamont Pass. Yep. Yeah. 